Okay, um, so before we dive into Advent, um, on this little Advent series, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners who maybe haven't um, connected with you yet about yourself, your writing, your work, anything you'd like us to know? Yeah, so I um, write over at my blog about uh, mostly about the intersection of um, queerness and spirituality. I'm queer and I, I love to write about that. Um, I got my master's degree in um, biblical scriptural interpretation with a specialization in Hebrew Bible, which I don't write about as much. Um, but I love, I love um, the Hebrew Bible, especially the Psalms. Um, and I do come back to the Psalms a lot in my writing. Um, and I love the liturgical year. I love the liturgical year um, and that way of structuring our lives. I write about that a lot. I think mostly on Instagram these days. Oh, and relevantly, I work, um, what, what do I do with my actual life? My actual life, I work, um, I work in a restaurant um, as a server and substitute bartender at a little bar in downtown Atlanta. So that is how I pay for my, my other life. Oh, hello. I'm the host now. <laughs> That's ominous. Uh-oh. What should I do now? Okay. Hello? Okay. I'm back. Yeah, I... Hooray! All right. Perfect. I got a really I'm, ominous message that said, you are the host now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so that's so funny. Um, No, I don't know if my Wi-Fi maybe cut out or something, but um, anyway, continue. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. What was the last thing you heard? Where oh. should I start from? <laughs> oh, um, about you were talking about what you do um, when you're not writing, um, that you are a substitute bartender. Yeah. Oh, you caught most of it then. That was pretty much where I ended. Yeah. I'm, I work at a bar. Um, I love, I really, really enjoy bartending and working in restaurants. I like the fast pace and, and the performative aspect of it is really fun for me, kind of engaging people in a fast paced, fun way. I really like that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I uh, love how many um, people are now writing at that intersection of like queerness and spirituality. I mean, I feel like when I was coming out uh, 10 years ago, there was nothing, you know, there was yep. like maybe a couple of books and that was it. Yep. I remember um, I spent so much time on those janky um gaychristian.net forums yes and they were so old school <laughs> and just navigating yep. the search function like searching for things is this allowed am i permitted yeah because i guess that was uh yeah 10 11 years ago for me when when i first started encountering this so it is so exciting what a 
Like there's enough of a queer community for there to be like splits in the queer Christian community. Oh my goodness, how exciting. Like we are so large that we can fight with each other now. Yes. <laughs> I'm just so tickled. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, also, I think um, it's so interesting that you um, love the Psalms so much. Why? Why? What is it about the Psalms? Um, I really like the Psalms because there is something in them that is very authentic and very raw in a way that I was not permitted to be authentic and raw growing up in the church. And the way that the psalmist talked to God is so, is almost demanding in some ways. Um, the psalmist places expectations on God and says, if, if you are, if, if you are a good God, you will hear me. If you are a just God, you will save me. Um, where are you? I've been calling all day. I demand to be heard. And that switch, I think C.S. Lewis would have called that God in the dock, um, in the sense of, of God on trial. And, the, mm -hmm. and C.S. Lewis says that that's a new thing when he argues that the ancients used to think that we were on trial, but now we've put God on trial. But in the Psalms, you see that the psalmist feels free to put God on trial in the face of suffering itself, in the, in the question of suffering, the psalmist says, I've brought God up to be questioned because I am suffering so much. God, I demand to be heard. And I just think that's incredibly powerful language for anyone who's faced any kind of significant suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I love that a lot. I have always loved the Psalms also. Um, but I, I don't know that I have ever really been able to articulate why it's just, I like the song. So, um, I like that, that you like how direct the psalmists are with God. Um, okay. So let's get into Advent. Um, so I decided to do an Advent series here on the podcast this December because I actually did not grow up on the church calendar. Um, I mean, I grew up United Methodist, but we really leaned more, toward evangelicalism than Orthodox Methodist. Um, so I knew that we did Advent before Christmas and Lent before Easter and that there were candles involved. And that was it. <laughs> That's um, the relevant part. That is the relevant part. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. I was so embarrassed actually. So my, my wife is a pastor and the first year that we were together, I actually had to ask her to explain to me like the church calendar and Advent, like I had no idea what it was. And she just stared at me like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why, how do you not know this? Um, so uh, I, I do recognize that there are, I mean, I think actually quite a lot of us coming out of evangelicalism mm -hmm. or people who didn't grow up in the church. Um, even those of us who maybe were raised quote unquote doing Advent but we may not fully grasp why it's important, why we do it at all. Um, so last week on the podcast, we talked about how Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Um, so getting into that, um, why do we celebrate Advent? I mean, why can't we just go straight to Christmas? Like from regular time to Christmas. Well, I, I like, so I also, I grew up evangelical. And so Advent, the liturgical year was brand new for me too. Um, 
And so I think that's also why some of us coming out of evangelicalism love it so much um, because it feels like this new beautiful thing that we um, never had. Um, and for me, the season of Advent, which is particularly a season of anticipation and longing and the acknowledgement that things are bad and it is not good yet, that, that acknowledgement that we live in, in a sense, we live in that Holy Saturday moment in between Good Friday when Christ dies and Easter where Christ is resurrected. There's a space of time, this Holy Saturday, where things are not yet made new. And Advent is a whole season that acknowledges that space of time of the world is broken and it feels irreparable sometimes and we can't always see that our efforts are paying off, but hang in a little longer, the light is coming. And to have a whole season to acknowledge that sense that we are living in what is incomplete and to not try to gloss over that or to shift through it too quickly, I think is lovely and we don't do enough of in our church. Yeah, I agree. I think that so often, and again, maybe this, this is all from my uh, even evangelicalism background, but I mean, I have always felt like you come to church and you show up at your best. You get dressed, you sweep everything else under the rug, nothing's going on. During the passing of the peace, you say, you know, maybe, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Keep going. Or I'm busy or, you know, any of those normal answers. Um, there was never, in my experience, space in church for anything real. Um, yeah, so I, I love that you kind of brought that back to acknowledgement that things are bad and they're not yet good. They're not yet made new, but one day it, it will be. And we don't have to pretend like it is here when it's not yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think my favorite, my favorite Advent scripture is the um, Isaiah 9-2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Mm. And the image of walking in darkness, I think every year I come back to again of Advent is a time when we acknowledge that we are walking forward and it is dark and it isn't light yet. And to hold on to that movement forward before we've seen the light, but still trusting eventually we will see the light, just a really courageous image for me. Yeah. Yeah. That idea of needing to trust God um, or whatever's coming next, because there, there is uh, no other way through. It's yeah. just you trust and yeah. something new um, comes eventually, <laughs> even if it's not in, in our time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I had um, a conversation for one of our podcast episodes a couple of weeks ago with um, Gina Thomas, and she started talking about um, the, the gospel as um, n not just individualistic, but also um, mm. as a communal mm. um, idea. 
which I had never thought of. I mean, I think a lot of us just, we're in this really hyper individualistic American culture. Um, everyone is just, you know, stepping on one another to get to where we need to go. Um, always putting number one first. Um, so I think it's relatively easy once we understand Advent to understand why Advent is important to each of us individually. Um, you know, it prepares us, our hearts, our souls, our minds for the breaking through of Christ into the world. Um, but what about communal, communally? Um, you know, like we celebrate in communities, we gather in churches or in home churches. Um, but why is that important rather than just focusing on Advent as an individualistic season? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. I actually, I had a professor, one of the, what, what started to get me into Advent was um, into Advent, like it's my hobby. I'm so into Advent these days, guys. <laughs> what started, to, what started to, to spark my imagination, if I want to be more theological, and to spark my imagination on, on Advent was I had a professor in graduate school who used to say, um, because, you know, the churches, the, the liturgical color for um, Advent is always kind of up for debate. Different churches, some use purple for repentance and some use blue for anticipation. The Methodist church, I think is, I, I gather that there's a bit of a split. People fight about it. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of a bit of a joke, but also it's very serious. What liturgical color will we use? Um, but for churches that use purple for repentance, it's the same liturgical color that is used in Lent for repentance. And I had a professor once who made the distinction that in Lent, we are repenting personally for ourselves. We are looking deep within our own souls to grieve where we have fallen short. But in Advent, we look at the world that is broken by sin, that is debilitated by sin systemically, the, the culture and political systems and everything, like environmental changes. We look at all of the world that is mourning in childbirth, as Paul would say, and the, the purple for repentance is that Advent is also a season of repentance, but it is communal collective repentance. And our anticipation is for the salvation of the whole world as opposed to a very individual practice. And I thought that was lovely. I just, I, I love that. And I, I am firmly on the purple for repentance side of things now um, for Advent. <laughs> Um, probably also because I'm an Enneagram one. So, you know, the more repentance, the better. Just make everything purple. Paint the walls <laughs> Why wouldn't right. I always be repenting? Oh, I love that. So Lent is individual repentance. Advent is communal repentance. That was, that was my professor's um, way of seeing that. I think, I think a Officially, Advent is, you know, quote, anticipation. Um, but because Advent is anticipating while acknowledging the, the broken nature and the sinful nature of the world we're in, um, and because also Advent almost always starts with, you know, the, the joke that comes around Facebook every year, the first Advent sermon. I don't know if you've seen this, the... Um, it's a picture of John the Baptist, and it says, Merry Christmas, you brood of vipers. <laughs> the, first, the first Advent sermon. 
every year I love that. Every year I love that because that is officially the first, you know, the first uh, text in Advent almost every year is John the Baptist preaching repentance, prepare you the way for the Lord, um, you brood of vipers. Um, he says to the powers that be. And so Advent is a time that we also name sin in the systems and the powers that be while also being aware that we are complicit in that and not getting too much selfish joy out of, you know, finger pointing, because that's fun too. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't care if it's supposed to be anticipation. I love the idea. Of, <laughs> well, so, it's now. We can do it together. <laughs> I, yes, exactly. Um, so since you brought up the Enneagram, I love the Enneagram. Um, and my wife, like, cannot get into it. Like, she just does <laughs> not want to deal with it. So anybody who mentions it, I, like, zero in. Um, I'm wondering what do you love about Advent or what have you learned through Advent that has helped you as an Enneagram one specifically? Is it that, I mean, do you like Advent because of that idea of making things right? Mm. Um, you know, I'm sure so one of one of my big growing edges that I'm always on, I don't know, do you know that that Martin Luther quote where he says Christians are like drunks on a horse, always falling off one side or the other? Mm-hmm. Um, I think about that all the time in my in my growth. Um I think I used to like Advent too much because it was a chance to yell at people to be better. And I mm-hmm. do love that <laughs> in an unhealthy Enneagram one way to kind of look around and see the systems of injustice that are happening and, and, and yell until hopefully they're fixed. Um, and then going through a process of growth for me of, of realizing that I was avoiding my own sin or complicit complicity by yelling at others, but then becoming too hard on myself in response to that and learning how to, um, learning how to be as gentle with myself as I want to be with the world and really trying to discern in periods of time where the church is called to be prophetic, like during Advent, when we read John's words that are calling powerful people to repentance. And so that is something that that Christians are called to, to call powerful people to repentance, but also to be aware of are are we calling people to repentance in a way that actually leads to repentance or just makes us feel good because it puts distance between us and the other and helps us think, thank, thank God I am not like that man. Um, yeah. How do we invite, how do, how do we both be effective and courageous and not run away from conflict because we're afraid of it, but also not run towards conflict just because it makes us feel self-righteous? How do we juggle all of that in a way that leads to wholeness and shalom and, and, you know, anticipates Christ will make all things new. That is, um, that is a huge and constant work for me, knowing how to juggle all that. Um, and I think Advent for me is a time when, when there's a very bright light shown on my own worst inclinations, which are just to like yell at people until mm-hmm. they're good. And it turns out you can't yell at people till they're good. I wish you could. 
because I would be really good by now because I yell at myself all the time. Um, <laughs> so that is, that is my, one of my Advent practices um, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I am, um, my sister is an Enneagram one and I feel like the more I learn about it, the bigger um, like soft spot I have for Enneagram ones. Oh, thank you. Um, so I appreciate that. have soft spots for us. Yes. What are you? What is your number? I'm a four. Oh, of course you are. I have a soft spot for fours. I love fours. Hey friends, just breaking in here um, with our conversation here with Lindsay um, to tell you about something that I'm really, really excited about. Um, I am participating again this year in December. Um, now, if you've never heard of December before, um, it is an organization working to draw attention to the uh, global human rights atrocity and crisis of human trafficking. Um, so, December um, recognizes that slavery exists in every city around the world, um, whether that's massage parlors, truck stops. Uh, major sporting events, um, or even right next door. Um, so more than 40 million people are in human trafficking around the world, about one in four are children, and um, human trafficking generates about $150 billion a year. Um, and that actually makes it um, the number two uh, crime industry right behind drug trafficking. Um, so this is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I actually, I found out about human trafficking about 10 years ago in high school and it completely shattered me. Um, you know, I honestly wasn't sure that I was going to do December again this year. It just takes so much planning and commitment and life is a little crazier this year in the midst of getting licensed to foster and adopt. Um, but then I remembered why I started this in the first place because when I learned about human trafficking in high school it broke my heart because learning about this issue is what led me to major in social work through college because my future kids who are in the foster care system are at far greater risk than those children who are not uh, because my community of LGBTQ plus siblings are also at a far greater risk than our straight cisgendered friends because supposedly we live in the land of the free, but I firmly believe that quote that no one's free until we're all free. Um, so I'm pulling out every dress I own this December to bring awareness to this issue uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, something else really quickly that I love about December is that um, they recognize that A, this is not a women's problem, and B, that there are, um, you know, men who want to be involved. There are non-binary uh, people who want to be involved. So they have actually added into um, that you can do this with a tie as well. Um, so either wear a dress every day um, in December or wear a tie every day in December um, and raise money and awareness for this um, social justice issue of human trafficking. Um, so I would love to have you join me um, in doing that, whether that means for you wearing a dress or a tie every day this month or supporting um, 
one of the advocates like myself who are doing it. Um, If you would like to help me reach my goal, um, you can go over to Dress Ember. So it's just like December, but Dress Ember uh, 2019.org backslash fundraiser backslash Bailey hyphen Welch Pomerantz. And I will link that in the show notes as well. Or you can head over to um, Twitter or Instagram and it's in my bio there as well. All right, guys, let's head back over to our conversation with Lindsay Metford. So um, I am sure that you love Advent, uh, obviously. I mean, you wouldn't have come on to talk about it if you didn't. Um, So a little bit lighter of a question. Why do you love Advent? Like what's important to you about the season that we haven't already covered? Because I feel like you kind of have answered this question throughout. Hmm. Um, I think, I think probably one of the reasons I think it's so important for the church to honor Advent and in liturgical spaces, not skip straight to Christmas. Um, so I'm a, I'm a super, I'm a Christmas junkie. I want Christmas to Mm -hmm. start the first week in November and go until the last week in January. I, everything should be Christmas all the time. Um, but I think for me, churches, um, I'm, I am a stickler in sacred spaces. I don't like everything to be decorated for Christmas before Christmas during Advent. I don't want there to be Christmas carols in church until after Christmas. Um, because for me, the sacred space of, of church, of kind of claiming the anticipation, naming that it is not good yet and making space for that matters, partly because there are so many people for whom the holiday season is exhausting and sad and creates anxiety and trauma. I mean, anyone who's lost anyone they love, the holidays are so difficult, um, especially like LGBTQ people navigating holidays with non-affirming family or no family at all. Um, the stress, financial insecurity and travel and everything is just is worse at the holidays. And if church is just one more place where everything is ho, 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 Merry Christmas, like jingle bells, then we don't make a space for the people for whom the whole rest of the world is exhausting them right now in the Christmas season. If somebody really wants to have super cheerful, happy Christmas all the time, they can get that literally anywhere. And if church doesn't provide that for them, they'll be fine. They'll get that somewhere else. Christmas is, you know, at your local gas station. Um, mm-hmm. But for the people who, who are really struggling during this season, having church be a place that names struggling and suffering and the fact that it is not right yet is just so sacred. And I, I really wish more churches would, would carve that space out even though I know there's a lot of pushback from congregants who really want there to be Christmas all of December. Um, but also, you know, the Hallmark Channel will play your Christmas all of December as well. <laughs> but I think church kind of protecting that space for the ones who mourn is just so, so holy and so important. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I have never been in a, church I guess that has not had Christmas all the time 
um, you know, like as, as soon as Thanksgiving is over. Um, and I, and it is hard so, some years. I mean, um, the year that I um, came out and I was asked to step down from all of my church leadership positions, it was, I mean, that happened in like, I don't know, September, October in the fall. And then all of a sudden it's Christmas and I'm supposed to be there, you know, and I know that's kind of an extreme example, but anyone who is um, not having the best time is Mm -hmm. probably not going to love Christmas uh, all month long Yeah, when, you know, it's so, so sad, so heavy. Yeah. Um, at that time. Yeah. I have n- never thought about Advent being that, but I, I love that idea of the church being able to protect the quote unquote vulnerable people. But yeah. My, from... my, my last church that I was at, um, only didn't, didn't play any Christmas carols right up until Christmas Eve, but they played a lot of Advent songs and our worship director mm-hmm. wrote a bunch of Advent songs. And we sang O Come, O Come, Emmanuel a lot because it's the only Christmas yeah. carol that's about the waiting. But to like mm-hmm. really, and for those of us who are, who are maybe having a good December, maybe we're like, this is actually great. My life is fine. I'm very happy right now. Kind of leaning into that itch, like that longing with the community to say, but I really want it to be Christmas. And everyone says, well, just wait one, one more week, two more weeks. Like it's almost here. And that can be a mm-hmm. joyful anticipation too, if if we're willing to kind of submit to the patience of waiting in community. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, okay. Last uh, little bit as we quote as we kind of wrap up here. Um, what's your favorite Advent or Christmas tradition? Oh, my favorite Advent or Christmas tradition. Um, I mean, I love, I love candlelight Christmas Eve services mm. so much. I love that. Um, and honestly, I just, I really like watching Elf every year, every <laughs> single year. Like, you know, it's just, it is such a, a, a wholesome, earnest movie full of joy. And yes. I think we are just very short on wholesome earnestness right now. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. I don't think that I have watched Elf in uh, a, a few years. So that Maybe may need to go. Ahead. Yes, exactly. All um, right. Um, well, thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. Um, honestly, I've learned so much from you and just the way that you come to Advent um, and I'm sure our listeners have too. Um, but before we go, would you like to tell everyone where to find you and your work? Yes, absolutely. Um, you can find me everywhere at, um, laurajeantruman.com is my website. And I'm also Laura Jean Truman on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm probably most active on Twitter. It is my love language. <laughs> All right. Great. Um, All right, Laura Jean, thank you uh, so much for being here today.
Thank you so much. This was lovely. I enjoyed this so much. All right, friends, thanks for joining us for yet another week here on the Making Room on the Pew podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or it positively impacted you in any way, we would love if you would take just a few seconds to give us an honest five-star rating and review. It really means so much to us and it helps others find this content too. Until next time, this has been Making Room on the Pew.